Steve. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's just great to have you worshiping with us today here at Friends Church. We are continuing our series, Show Me, and it is a series, of course, in the book of James as we go through the book of James as, and seeing what he has for us. Now, you might be wondering why we are doing James the way we are. We are taking it a, as far as a um, series of subjects instead of just starting in James 1 and going James 2, James 3, James 4, James 5. It's because he kind of writes the book that way. He actually writes chapter 1 as an introduction, pretty much, although, you know, James didn't put the, the names on the book, on the or chapter numbers on there, but chapter 1 is kind of the introduction to the book, and he kind of lays out the topics that he's going to talk about. And he lays them out, and then in chapters 2, 3, 4, and 5, he expands on them. And he brings them up again, and again, and sometimes, and again, through the book. And so we're taking these topics, and the first topic that Pastor Eric talked about last week was wisdom. And you see, he brings up wisdom, and he talks about wisdom again and again in the book of James. And today, I get to talk about money. Now, you notice when it comes to talk about money, Pastor Eric leaves. Yeah, he leaves it to me, right? So I'm, I'm going to get him back, though. When next time we talk about sex, he's going to cover it. So we'll, we'll let him do that. But uh, we're talking about money. And, uh, and, but if you're concerned, you want to run out, or if you're getting ready to turn off you know, the TV or the computer, don't worry. This is not a message about tithing. It's not a message about giving. In fact, James in his scripture, in his passage here, he reads here, he's much less concerned with what you do with your money than he is what your money or your lack of it does to you. Now, did you get that? He's not so concerned about what you do with your money. He's concerned about what your money does to you or your lack of money does to you. And so we pick this up and we, we see him here addressing these, these situations. And he starts in chapter 1 because that's the introduction. He, he brings the subject up in verses 9 and 10. Now, if you happen to catch my um, devotion last Monday, I talked a little bit about this on, on there. But here's, here's what it says in verses 9 and 10. It says, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. And so he's introducing this poor and rich. If you're wondering what humble circumstances are, well, it's compared to rich. So he's talking about those who are poor, those who don't have. And he's saying if those who are in humble circumstances, those that don't have, should take pride in your high position. That seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Especially when he says those who have, those who are rich, should take pride in your humiliation. But what he's saying is there's, there's, there's this situation where God views, and we've read it and studied it and preached on it in the Sermon on the Mount, and the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. And Luke, he says, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he says, God has a special place, a special place of, of high regard, a high place for those who are poor. And then he says, for those who are rich, be careful uh, for your humiliation. Basically, if you would go on and read the rest of that verse, he says, because your wealth can be gone like that. It's, it's here today, gone tomorrow. In fact, it's like the flower that, that blooms in the middle of the desert there in, in, in the Middle East where the sun comes out and it beats on it and it dries it out and the wind comes and blows it away. He said, your riches are gone that quickly. And so he's preaching and he's teaching and he's writing to these people who are both rich and poor. In fact, we have in our society, we have maybe rich and poor, we have middle class, but they didn't have much of that back then. They were, they were, the, they, they were the rich usually or poor. And we might say that today, you came in one of two classes. You come in the class of the haves or the have-nots. <laughs> if you were in the class of the haves, you owned land. And you had power, and you could wield that power over people. If you were the have-nots, you probably didn't have land. You probably were scraping by to feed your family. You were probably from, you know, hand to mouth, just every day's God work so you could feed your family that day. And especially if you were a Christian being persecuted. You probably were in a situation where you just didn't have much. And so he's writing to these, but he's writing, he's writing here 
both to the haves, those who have, and to the have-nots, those who do not have. And, and you ought to understand, too, we understand, too, that wealth is relative, right? Wealth is relative. I've, you know, my background is I'm a CPA and had been dealt with many clients and large businesses. And just in the last week, I've been in the presence of individuals whose wealth makes me look like a pauper. <laughs> Dirt poor compared to theirs. And so it's relative. Also, though, there's times where I've been in the Play the position where people I've been with have looked at me and thought, oh, I want to be like you someday. A lot of them are kids that come out of college and they don't have wealth, they got debt. <laughs> they said, what do you mean, a bank account? All I got is a debt to, to somebody. And you know how that is. So it's relative. We, and so today you might find yourself and sometimes thinking about, wow, yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the poor. But then you might also find yourself saying, whoa, Worley, I'm, I'm wealthy. But the good news is James speaks to all of us through this. And he jumps right in here in the, he doesn't wait long after chapter one, chapter two, verse one, he starts off with this. He says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Now you say, what's that got to do with money? We're going to get there in a second. (laughs) But he's saying, here, I'm writing to these believers, these people who call in the name of the Lord, the people who are Christ's followers. And he's saying, there's, there's, there must be something that he's heard or something that he's seen that causes him to write this. Because the Greek structure of the sentence is not kind of like, oh, you know, someday you might be, have a situation, don't show favoritism. This is, this is no, this sentence is saying it's, it's, it's happening. In fact, this sentence could be understood, quit, stop showing favoritism. Christians, beloved, brothers and sisters in Christ, don't show favoritism. Stop showing favoritism is what he's saying. And so he goes to unpack this, and when he unpacks it is when it gets interesting. He goes on and he says, you know, really what this is like, it's like a parable or a, or a story, a hypothetical story. And he says, suppose you're in your assembly You're in your assembly together, and in walks, doors open, and in walks a man who has got the sharpest looking suit you have ever seen. Just, I mean, tailor-made, everything fits perfect, great material, leather shoes, silk tie. Not only that, but he's got bling, you know. He's got the rings, uh, and and so he's he's got all the jewelry that you might have. In my mind, this guy even has a his COVID mask is, is diamond studded, you know, so he's, 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 you know, that's the kind of guy's walking in. He says, but then also walking in is a very poor person, a shabbily dressed person, he, they say, it says. And, and so this shabbily dressed person comes in, and what you do is you see the wealthy person, you say, oh boy, if I got a seat for you, come on right up here, you know, you get the, you get the best seat in, in the house, and we want to take care of you, and, and it's kind of like when I, I always envy those people at Indians games, in Cavs games, that sits in those seats where they, 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 they come and even they wait on you, or you can go get all the food for free, and you know, you, you're that kind of person, you know, you're right there. And so he says, you're there. He says, but when the, when the, person with shabby coats comes in, you say, you know, I think there's a place down the hall, you know, or, or maybe in the back here next to the exit sign, we got a place for you, or, or it even says in there, or maybe even sit at my feet or sit on the floor. You know, there are no chairs here, but you can, you can sit on the floor. He said, if you treat people that way, and sometimes I always think about this as in a, an auditorium like this, a big auditorium, everybody and, and somebody comes walking in, but they weren't meeting in big auditoriums. When James was writing. When James was writing, most of these people would have been meeting, and if not all, were meeting probably in homes. And so imagine this more, not so much like we have here this morning, but some of you watching at home too, where you're in your homes, and this is like your door opens to the front door. You've invited a couple, some families in to watch with you, and someone's opens, and here comes this, this guy with the bling, and you notice the car he drove up in and say, whoa, 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 you know, here, you want the seat that gets to see Pastor Steve on the screen. You know, you want that. You want, you want to really be able to see him. 
And then the other guy comes in, and it's not just shabbily clothes, but he's, maybe he's wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers shirt or something like that, you know? <laughs> you know, we got a seat for you. It's, uh, it's in a little room we call the bathroom. No, no, no. But, uh, you, know, you, you, know, you know how that is. And so, and so, yeah, it's like, okay, how do, we, how do we treat people and how do we do that? And he says, if you're doing that, you're showing favoritism. In fact, he says this, haven't you discriminated among yourselves? and become judges with evil intent when you've treated the one who is dressed well differently than the one who's not. And so he then goes on, and he's just given this example, he then goes on and comments on it. And he starts in verse 5 with this word. He says, listen. Now, when I see that, I go, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Uh-oh, uh, it sounds like the pastor here, and we remember Pastor James is pastor of the church in Jerusalem, and, and he's got a pastor's heart, and now he's speaking pastorally. And he's saying, flock, listen. But then what comes next is this. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Some translations, and, and more accurately, maybe is my beloved. Beloved. You see the heart here of James. Oh, beloved. Don't you understand? Don't you understand that God has honored those? He's chosen the poor. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They're going to inherit the promises. So James is acknowledging that there's something going on that's not right. He's also acknowledging that the poor have a special place in the heart of God. And so he obviously is concerned when he continues on and says, but you have dishonored the poor. Your actions, the actions that you are taking are contrary to God's heart. It's contrary to the place that God has for that person, the honor that they are due. You have set to honor and give esteem to the one the world gives honor and esteem to. What a trap that is, isn't it? It's such a trap to look at the popular, the, the, the wealthy, the, the people who have it, and to give them the honor and esteem, the privilege. But in doing so, we show contempt for the ones that God has honored. So I think there's a, an important show-me message that, John ha- or that James has for the haves, and that's this. Watch what you strive for. Or excuse me, this is the have-nots. The message for the have He's speaking here not to the wealthy mostly. We'll see that in, the mess, in this section. He's speaking to the, to the poor, the ones that are there worshiping, the ones that are so excited that there's someone wealthy coming into their midst. He says, watch what you strive for. In welcoming these folks like you have to the, to the exclusion of the others, You've identified with them, the ones who take pride in their humiliation. (laughs) You've hitched their wagon to the wealthy. You know, through this, I... It's so easy. It's so easy. When you consider yourself poor, you consider yourself of a have-not to try to Try to hit your wagon to those who are the haves. If I can only, if they only take me along, if maybe, maybe this is a big tither that's just coming to our church and we can finally do some things we really want to do. You know? And it leads to treating them in a way that's different than the way we would treat somebody else. Um, Paul reminds Timothy in chapter 6, verse 10 of 1 Timothy, that it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. 
not the possession. Did you get that? He didn't say not possession, I added that. (laughs) He says it's... He says it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And I would add, not the possession. It's the love. It's our attitude. It's what we're striving for. When our goal becomes we got to have or we need or we want, and at, at, the extent, at the expense of the relationships, then here he is saying we have played favorites. We have been prejudiced against one individual. We have shown partiality against somebody. And he says that should not be. When your desire is to sit with the wealthy or, the, or those influencers or the powerful, we really want to, don't we want to share in that? We want to share in that power. We want to share in that wealth. And we know that it's not who you know, right? Or no, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? It's not what you know, it's who you know. And in this case, and if they know you, or if they know me, so we cuddle up to them and we say, hey, come on, you know, I want to get to know you. And, and he says, and so we become friends with them and we share with them and we give them the best seats. And, and he's talking about here this, 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 this happening in the church. And he says, it should not be. James reminds them that the God, and here's why James reminds them that the people they're fawning over, <laughs> these people they're fawning over, are the very people that are causing them distress. In fact, he asks three questions in verse six, starting. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming, blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? Be careful what you strive for. Be careful. Watch what you strive for. And James is writing to them and saying, you're striving to, to, to reach, to, 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 to love and to care and to, and to show special privilege to those who are rich. And they're the very ones who are taking you to court. The very ones who are persecuting you. The very ones who are blaspheming the name of the Lord. In fact, I, I wonder at times if James was not hearing the same reports from the church of Corinth that Paul was hearing. Because to me, this seems to be like the church of Corinth a lot. You start reading 1 Corinthians and you see that there's this strife and, and, and divisions happening within the church. And you say, it should not be. You read Corinthians and it says, it says, hey, brothers and sisters are taking brothers and sisters of the church to, to court. He says, this should not be. There's divisions around, among you. And he says, in fact, when you come together for the love feast, for your, for your celebration of the Lord's Supper, there's social status bickerings are going on around the table. Who sits where and who does this? And he says, it shouldn't be. And so James, I wonder if he's hearing these stories. He says, I hear these stories. I see what's going on. And when, be careful what you strive for if you are finding yourself on the poor side. You know, what's, what's, what's incredible about this to me is that when, and, and, and quite frankly, most of us in many cases probably figure out we're the poor ones compared to people around us. The, the, what here is the very people who are the instigators, perpetrators, are also the victims. Did you get that? The poor here, those that are coming in say, oh, come on in and we welcome you. The instigators of the, of the, of the, the partiality, of the favoritism, the ones who are saying, no, let's, let's try that. They're the ones that are also the victims. They're the ones that are getting sent to court. They're the ones who are getting taken advantage of. They're the ones who are being exploited. And it's like James is saying, wake up, wake up. Don't show favoritism. Don't show favoritism. And his message to those have-nots, watch what you strive for. Watch what, you're, what are you striving for today? And how's it impacting your witness? How's it impacting your relationships? How's it impacting the people that, and how you treat them? But before we close, Paul doesn't neglect the rich people either. <laughs> or excuse me, James doesn't neglect the rich people. In chapter 5, he comes back to the subject again. In James 5, 1, he says this. Now listen, you rich people. <laughs> you know, no beloved here. 
<laughs> no beloved rich people. You know, the attitude's changed a little bit here. Maybe he's talking to some in the church. There's, there's, uh, there's rich people in the church. There's, there's some wealth. There have been wealthy people through the Bible. But he appears to be talking to rich people in general here. He says, now you rich people, I just get the feeling we're in trouble, and I think we are, because he goes on and says this. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted. The moths have eaten your clothes. Those very fine clothes that you wore into the service. <laughs> that, 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 that tailored suit, that silk tie, the moths have eaten them. Here today, gone tomorrow. Wow. Then he, he just is, is pleading with them to understand that the wealth you have is so fleeting. And so there's a message, the message for the haves, the show me message of James, is this, watch what you live for. If you're living for your wealth, if you're living for your prosperity, if you're living for your bank account or your retirement, or all those things that, that we place at a high level, he says, watch it, watch it. You know, I want to say this. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that being rich is a sin. Nowhere in the Bible does it say having wealth is a sin. There's just a lot of warnings that come with it. A lot of warnings. Read through the scripture and find the warnings on wealth. What to be aware of. What to be careful about. Jesus said it's easier for a camel to get an eye and needle than a rich man to get into heaven. A man comes to Jesus with riches and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And after going through some, some things in his life, Jesus finally says, oh, I know what you've got to do. You've got to sell everything and, and give it away. And he says, no, that's, not, that's, that's too much for me. It's too much. Jesus tells a story about a man, a builder, a, a farmer who is doing well, and he says, I'm going to build barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. And he builds more and more barns, or he plans to. And he says, you fool. You fool this night. Your soul will be required. Be careful trusting in your riches. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You can't serve money and you can't serve God. In fact, he says, our treasure, we should place our treasure in things that cannot be stolen, cannot rot away, cannot rust. He goes on to say, show me your treasure, I'll show you your heart. Rich people, where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Where's your real treasure? Because he gets real blunt after this. I think, didn't Eric say, Pastor Eric say last week, James can get really tough? Yeah, he can get really tough. Listen to these words, verse three. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Ooh, that sounds like some of those movies that I don't even like to watch. <laughs> yeah. Their corrosion will testify against you. Eat your flesh like fowl. You have hoarded wealth in these last days. Wow. Listen to what he says in verse 4. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out to you, against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Reminds me of a conversation that Moses had with God around a burning bush one day. God had been looking down at his people, slaves in the land of Egypt. And he told Moses, you know what? I have seen their distress. I have heard. I have heard their cries. The crying is coming out. I read the scripture and I can't help but hear the, the cries of slaves around the world. Those who toiled here in our own country year after year. God, the prayers, their cries going out to him makes me, makes me wonder sometimes my own life, and I've actually been in a study with some guys recently, and we've been looking at how we, how we, how we order our lives, the, the hurry and the possessions and trying to simplify and things like that, and reading through and understanding that so many of the things that we accumulate and buy are 
purchased cheaply because of people who have not been paid a fair wage. And been trying to figure out how do I buy things that, that, are, that I know and can be shown are people have been treated fairly and paid well for. The cries go out. The cries of those who have been treated unjustly. He goes on and says this. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the days of slaughter. Be careful what you live for. Oh, just living for the things. How wealthy, how big, how many of this, how many of that. All you're doing is fattening. But take, it, take it from a steer. You don't want to be the fattest on the day of slaughter. <laughs> you get that? Yeah. Take it from a steer. You do not want to be the fattest on the day of slaughter. And he says, wealthy, that's, that's you. Watch what you live for. Then he says, you have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not even opposing you. Proverbs 22.2 says, the poor and the rich have this in common. The Lord is their maker. Don't show favoritism. And he's saying to those who are wealthy, be careful what you live for. If you're exploiting those, if you are, if you are not showing love and mercy and grace to those, and, and in, in the midst of that, you are building your wealth by doing, by not showing, by not paying Oh, it's like being the fattest one on the day of slaughter. Have nots. Watch what you wish for. Watch what you strive for. Those who have, watch what you live for. But I love that James, in the midst of all of this, has a message for all of us. One more message, and it's this. Watch who you live for. Watch who you live for. All this time, in the midst of all of these passages, he starts off that chapter 2, verse 1, by saying, broad believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, we live for him, but he says we also go beyond that. James chapter 2, verse 8 says this. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. <laughs> he says, in the midst of all this discussion, if you're, if you're on the have-not side or if you're on the have side and you're wondering, okay, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? He says, in the end, if you've kept the royal law found in Scripture to love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. What James is saying through all this, show me love, Show me love for each other. Get a, do away with the favoritism. Do away with taking advantage of each other. Do away with whatever games are being played and love each other as your neighbor, as yourself, as we've been taught to do by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we've been taught in the Old Testament, as it's been all through the Scripture, that we are to love each other. You know what Jesus told his disciples? How people would know that they were his disciples? It wasn't that they were six feet tall. It wasn't that they were going to be dressed a certain way. It wasn't that they were going to be carrying tracts and Bibles around. He says, they will know you are my disciples by the way you love each other. Our call today, whether we're a have or a have not, is the call to all believers. Live out, live out the call to love your brothers, your neighbors, as yourself. If you do that, you do well. You do well. And the things like that divide us, like social status and money, jobs, <sighs> this doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because we love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray. Father, this morning we are so grateful that we can come to you on level ground 
And that, Lord, that no matter what, you love each one of us the same. You died for us all the same. And, Lord, today we can all respond to you the same way. And you receive us and open your arms and welcome us and love us and shower your mercy and grace on us all the same. Lord, help us to look each other that way. Help us, Lord, to, to not look at differences and, Lord, hitch our wagons to the poor, the rich, or, or try to be like the rich. Or, Lord, help us not to take advantage of those, Lord, who maybe uh, aren't, aren't as well off. Lord, help us that we would follow after you and love each other. regardless of differences. And Lord, help us to be reminded of Jesus' love for us through all of this. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we turned our back, you did not turn yours. You loved us in our sin. Lord, help us to love each other in the midst of our imperfections in the midst of our unique characters and quirks. And help us, Lord, to demonstrate to the world <laughs> that we're your disciples because we love each other with such great love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. It really is a privilege for us to come into your home or wherever you are to worship together on these Sunday mornings. In just a few minutes, there will be some questions about the sermon and thoughts coming across your screen. I encourage you to take some time and consider them, think about them, answer them, write down some notes, maybe write in your journal. Or if you're with some other folks, maybe you can have some discussion with what you see and the questions that have been generated uh, some thoughts from the message. Also, thank you for your continued support of Friends Church. We count on your offerings and your ties to keep everything running here, but also allowing us to reach out into the community and to share the gospel, also to share with those who are in need. So thank you so much. Uh, you can, of course, continue to send in your offerings to the church office, or you can go online, whfriends.org, and you can find the give button there, and you can give through online giving or through texting, either way. But thank you again for your support. And finally, if you have any needs or if there's anything that you just need to let us know, maybe a prayer request. Again, go to whfriends.org, go to online services. You can find there a place to connect with us, to share your requests, to ask a question, anything that we can do for you. Uh, we're here, uh, we, we want to serve you, and we love you so much. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that God would bless you richly this week. Have a great week. Thank you.